Sanctuary. It's just a wish away at the Lincoln Wish Event. Right now at Jim K. Lincoln, receive a $2,000 winter bonus on the 2022 Lincoln Corsair or 2022 Lincoln Nautilus. Or add Sanctuary to your list by ordering a 2023 Lincoln model. Contact Jim K. Lincoln before it's too late and make that wish of yours a reality. For more details, visit Jim K. Lincoln in Orleans or jimklincoln.com. This is Ryan. Ryan would love to start his own podcast as a fun way to create content for all his platforms, to better connect with his customers, and build a new audience. But Ryan isn't great with technology, and he has a lot of questions. What's the easiest way to record a high-quality podcast? What equipment will he need? How does he get his podcast online? Capital Podcast had all of Ryan's answers. Easy, convenient, professional. Contact us today and star in your own show with CapitalPodcast.ca. Welcome to the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation Podcast with Steve Warren and the coach, Greg Kennedy. All right, welcome to the show, everybody. Coming up today, the Sens hoping to give the Devils their due tonight in Jersey. How about that game against Tampa on Thursday night? The last three Eastern Conference titles, Tampa has won those, including two of the last three Stanley Cups. So, of course, Ottawa pounds them 7-2. I don't understand. I just don't understand. Uh, We'll get into that. Uh, What about Eric Brandstrom's play? And what's the plan for him this summer? He's about to be an RFA. What a game he had against... The uh, Lightning on Thursday night. Tyler Clevin has signed with the club and uh, lots to get to. Tons to get to. Ownership news. All still ahead here on the show. Again, it's Steve along with the coach. Greg, how are you today? Very good, Stephen. I was I was at the game. I was at the Tampa game. It was kind of a feisty nice. affair. The Lightning came out a little uh, a burr under their saddle. It was interesting. Yeah. But, uh, and it was, a, it was a game going into the third period still, but... Uh, Obviously, the Sens erupted to win the thing 7-2. to Like, my first thought is, before you get into Sens talk, is is the, is the rain about to be over? Like, has Tampa Bay lost their hunger a little bit? They were certainly upset throughout that whole game, and maybe they're starting to worry a little bit about what they'll be able to do or not do in this year's playoffs. But as uh, someone who's a card-carrying hater of the Toronto Maple Leafs, I'm starting to get a little worried that the <laughs> Leafs might have a chance against Tampa in round one. Well, I'll tell you, after watching them play live Thursday night, I don't think the Leafs are going to have much trouble with them. Oh, don't say that. Yeah, I'm sorry, buddy. I'm sorry. Oh. They look like a bunch of grumpy old men. You know, I I, I watched them play last week somewhere. I got a, I had a game on and watched them play. And I was thinking to myself, you know, maybe they're just they're a veteran team. They're just kind of biding their time. Like, they know where they're going to finish. They know where they're going to play. Can we just get on with it and get to the playoffs and we'll be good to go? But then when I watched them play live last night or Thursday night, I don't know. They they didn't look – they almost looked disinterested at times. They really needed the uh, the Hagel being a jerk and uh, Maroon being a jerk and that kind of stuff was about the only real life they seemed to show for – for most of the night. Two big performances in that game. It ended up being Mad Sogard, who ends up getting the goggles. Might have been a goaltending bias from Dylan Ferguson awarding them to him. But the two guys that stood out offensively, uh, and it's unusual because it's not really his calling card in Eric Brandstrom. He had a fine game, goal and an assist. And his goal was an absolute beauty, a coast-to-coaster and wired one upstairs. 
and Alex Dabrinkit had a good game as well. And those are two guys that people are talking about right now, Greg, about what's to be done with them. Dabrinkit's, to me, a phenomenal offensive talent, but we're talking about a stratosphere money-wise where you go, okay, am I going to pay him that much? And then Eric Brandstrom, he's also an RFA. And really, we thought when Mark Stone was traded to Vegas and the Sens got Eric Brandstrom, and he was a small defenseman. We all kind of thought, well, that's a guy that's going to be able to put up offense. And he certainly did on Thursday night, but that really hasn't been his calling card. So let us begin with the diminutive Eric Brandstrom, an RFA at season's end. If you sign him, what are you paying him? Hmm. Uh, well, you're not going to you're not going to pay him much and you're not going to have to pay him much like do you, you, maybe a million two. <laughs> I, I don't think so that you've got to pay him. You don't have to make it a long-term deal. It doesn't have to be any three times three or anything crazy like that. I think you can get them for a couple of years at, at three million total for two years max. Uh, the, the thing is, he's he's still only 23. You mix him in with everyone else. What, Sanderson's 20, Clevin's 21. Thompson and JBD are the same age, right? They're 22. Branstrom, 23. Chikrin, 24. Like, am I getting these right? Shabbat's only 26. Look mm-hmm. at that core. Like that is, and Zub is the old guy, you know, at 27. I'm assuming that the, the two 30 year old gray beards are gone. Um, you've got a pretty good package there. And if, if Branstrom plays in your bottom pair, he's definitely serviceable. He's done a good job defensively all year, gotten better there. I don't know that the offense is ever going to come, but my God, he, he looked like Paul Coffey cruising through the neutral zone on Thursday night. What a great goal. I can see them still signing him, I, and I can see them still signing Hamannick to keep him around as a presence. Holden's probably gone. A lot will probably depend on Clevin, JBD, and Thompson and how you project them out, how Clevin plays here down the stretch, and how you project out the other two who are down in Belleville that will factor more into the Branstrom decision than probably anything Branstrom's going to do on the ice. So is he what he is? Is Eric Branstrom maybe peaked? We've seen his ceiling. We've seen his best. Or is there a chance that he has not shown us his best, that he has not yet hit his prime because he he flashed us a little something-something like you talk about in that end-to-end rush and then wiring one upstairs. Sens fans would love to see more of that. And honestly, I I don't know. I, I thought he was capable of that kind of a goal. And I don't know. He seems to be getting more confidence. Everybody talked about the fact that he's taken a defensive step forward this year. If you do think there's more there, that that he's just scratched the surface, that it, then maybe you're starting to talk about, okay, I agree with you. It's somewhere, I mean, maybe one and a half million dollars is all you'd have to pay him salary-wise. And if that's the case and you think there's more there, then maybe you're looking at a longer term, like a four or five-year thing. I but it comes down to long-term projections, right? Like, it, it, of course, do you, do you want him? Is he the type of, uh, let's not even worry about type of player. Is he the type of body that you want in your five, six pair? Cause he's, he's never going to play in the top four. I think that's pretty much that ship is sailed. He's a bottom pair guy. And depending on who else, what the rest of the makeup is in your five, six, seven guys, it makes sense to keep him in the sense that uh, some nights I'm going to want a big mean guy like a Clevin in there. And then other nights I'm going to want 
or a Hamannick even. And uh, but other nights I'm going to want Brandstrom playing there, depending on who we're playing against and what type of game we're going to play. And he's also a backup plan on the power play. Although now with Chikrin here, you've got Chikrin, Sanderson, and Shabbat all ahead of Branstrom on the power play. So that kind of fades unless there's an injury. I just I think it comes down to long term. Is this the kind of guy we want in the five six slot? And I don't think that the answer is the answer is no. I think from a long term perspective, but from a short term. It's a yes. So that's kind of more where I'm leaning toward. A, if you're going to keep them, it's two years. It's not four or five. Yeah, I think the answer is quite clear. Once you establish that you you don't think he has any shot of being in the top four, then you don't want to go long term with him for sure. Um, I'd agree with that. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. Uh, defensemen are always slow to simmer in their development. And I've liked what I've seen this year. And so he's taking a step forward. Is there another step forward there? Only time will tell. Alex Debrinkit, on the other hand, uh, he's a guy that obviously there's a bit up for debate. Everybody, everybody wants Alex Debrinkit on the hockey club. He's easily inside the top six. He's had a good year, but not the gaudy numbers that we've seen him put up in Chicago. And so it's brought up the discussion of, okay, what exactly are, would you be willing to pay this guy? He's got an RFA situation this summer. He's one year away from being eligible for UFA status. So what's the game plan here? Boy, he had a good game on Thursday night. And if he starts finishing the way he can, you were talking about shooting percentage, then you got a pretty big number there. And uh, is there going to be room for it? Uh, We've talked about it before, but where are you at uh, having seen uh, the game on Thursday night? And he had such a good one with Alex Dabrinkit. Well, I think unless a deal comes along that knocks your socks off, like a number one goalie, and a and a perfect number four defenseman, uh, then I I don't think that you 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 get rid of him. I think you keep him. It's a matter of length, though. Are, are is it a long term thing or is it just a the qualifying offer? Like his cap hit is six four, right? He's he's being paid uh, considerably more. Help me out. I think he's being paid nine, nine million this year. year. Yeah, he's being paid nine year this year. The cap hit's only six four. But the qualifying offer has to be that nine, and that only gets you one more year. You just oh yep, here here's your offer, nine million, it's done. You get to keep them no matter what. I think that's worth it. Right? Don't don't you think that it's worth it to keep them around for another year when it's it's a freebie? You know, you're not out negotiating, you don't get rid of them and have to replace him. Just say, Yep, we'll pay you nine million one more year and we'll see what we get. Like you you alluded to, I, I spoke about his uh shooting percentage before we came on the air. If you took his career shooting percentage this year based on the number of shots he have he has, he'd be up over 30 goals. He'd be mid-30s as opposed to, what is it, 21 that he's got. So I, I think that he will get better and he will be a scorer for us, for for you. Um, it's just a matter of, of do you want to go long-term or not? And the easy answer is, well, let's just do the one-year thing and, and work on more coming down the ne- next season. Yeah, I think um, my my thought, you have to look at it from two perspectives, right? Uh, what the Sens want to do, should do. And then you also have to factor in what Alex Dabrinkit's plans are as well. And I think if I'm Alex Dabrinkit and, and his crew, his agent, um, I have a feeling he would bet on himself and not go long-term unless the Sens did something really absurd. And I don't think they have any intent for that because you know they're looking, they've seen him this season, and they probably have a number in mind uh, if they were going to lock him up. Uh, I think with Alex Dabrinkit, though, 
he wouldn't want to go long term after the season he just had. I have a feeling he would bet on himself, sign the one year and don't don't read into that, that he wants out of Ottawa. Uh, I would think that he still I think I think he likes it here. I think he likes the core. I think he likes the potential. But just signing a one year deal, I think, would be a case of, okay, if I'm going to go term here in Ottawa, I, I would like to get one more year under my belt and establish myself as the kind of scorer I was in Chicago. All right, let's take our first time out on the program. We'll talk about the Sens and Devils coming up tonight. Tyler Clevin has signed his entry-level contract, and we'll get to that and much more coming up after these words. Jim K. Ford has been serving Ottawa since 1982, one of the longest-running dealerships in the entire city. They've always been family-owned and operated, and their amazing team of professionals from sales to service is constantly training and improving to provide you with the best possible customer experience. And, of course, they're always ready to say yes. Check out JimKFord.com or visit them at 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln, we say yes! And there are 10 games left in the season as we speak right now. Sends getting ready for the Devils tonight. And Ottawa, with those 10 games left to go, stands five points out of a playoff spot. Three teams and five points. Ottawa has 75 points. Washington, 76. Florida, 79. And then the Islanders and Pittsburgh hold down the last two wildcard spots with 82 and 80. So if you want to chase down Pittsburgh... The Sens are five points back of them. The first thought that I have when I do the old wild card check, and I know that some people are saying you guys are delusional <laughs> for even bringing this up, but man, as you go back over the last 72 games, tell me you couldn't easily find five points in there somewhere that were just frittered away by the Sens. That's the worst thing, right? The two losses to Chicago. Yeah. One was a regulation. One was an overtime. So you got, you got one point out of four against Chicago. Yeah, there's there's been enough bad games along the way, but I can't help looking at it, Steve. The easiest we want to make the playoffs go ten and zero. That'll get you to ninety five points. That's that's good enough, I think. Yep, yep. Nine <laughs> and one gives you an outside shot. Yeah, they they just got to go bonkers. They anything they've done to this part point in the season, they've got to be better than that. There's um, one plus. Have, what's that? New, New Jersey played last night in Buffalo. There's that. It's there's a back to back here for Jersey. Who knows? Yep. <laughs> Do you want to keep the lottery factor alive? Getting in the top five is is that is the lottery even in, entering in, into the equation? Because right now they're you know they don't even have a chance at number one right now. They have to move up two slots, but they can still do that uh, by going on a on a losing slide. So is there is there a part of you that's like where where's your headspace in terms of wanting the guys to have success and and maybe carry that into next year if that even exists as a thing? Momentum between seasons. Hmm. Uh, or do you want them to tank it? Basically, well, I, I don't want them to tank. I think they're they're. Um, uh, I mean, we alluded to this uh, last show that they they seem to have learned now after the bad little road trip there that the lessons have sunk in now on how they have to prepare to play these kinds of games, these quote unquote meaningful games. Uh, I want those lessons to continue. I, I want to see how they how they perform down the stretch here. And I, okay, mathematically they probably don't have a shot, but you know what? Until until those two spots are clinched by somebody, they still have a shot. Right. So why not keep going and, and see what you can do and see what kind of things you can accomplish as individually and as a group. There's some some individuals looking for some things. Claude Giroux is closing in on a thousand career points. Uh, Timmy Stutzler can he get to forty goals? Uh, 
or even 35. What's he at now? You know, could, can Kachuk get to get to uh, a good number too? There's career marks there that are available to players individually and as a group. Yep. Stutzler's already hit the 35 mark. So, right. Um, he's at uh, 35 goals, 44 assists, 79 points. And uh, the stat that I found interesting over the last week was because he's, he's going to get five or six more points, which will mean that he will be the greatest single season send score that is not named Alfie Spezza, Heatley uh, or Yashin. So that's and, 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 and keep in mind, the guy just turned 21. We may not have seen his best yet. So, I mean, we talked about what to do with the Brinkett and uh, and Brandstrom in the first segment. But when you think about that, Tim Stutzla long term contract that hasn't even kicked in yet, it already looks like highway robbery and the guy hasn't even started that contract. So you certainly have to tip your cap to Pierre Dorian for making sure that that thing got done long term, not some sort of short term deal. Like you don't you don't think that his contract looks real good? The Drake Batherson contract looks real good. Uh, you know, maybe the Shabbat one doesn't look as good as it did when you signed it, but with Chikrin here now and moving forward, it maybe starts looking a lot better. The Kachuk contract looks damn good. You know, it appeared or has done a good job in locking these guys up, all part of the master plan. And uh they, they look good and set for the future going forward. Uh, it's so, so uh, all the more reason why I want them to be playing these games and not tanking them right now. Uh, it's, it's an opportunity to see who can show up in big games. Guys are fighting. I know it sounds corny and it's a cliche, but guys are fighting for jobs. Like you don't think that Austin Watson wishes he could get more than seven or eight minutes ice time a night to, to try to earn a contract for next year somewhere or play, a job somewhere rather. Um, you know, Travis Hamanick is looking for something next year. We already talked about Branstrom to bring it. There's all kind of, how about the goaltending situation? What are you going to do with all these goalies moving forward? Now you've got Marilinen back in the country. So there's all kinds of opportunities there for players to jump on. Uh, Patrick Brown, Dylan Gambrell, I could go on and on. These games are important for a lot of reasons. Oh, no doubt. And I think that, uh, you know, I just bring it up for the point of conversation because the reality is there's nobody that's uh, even interested in a let up. That's, you know, if you ever talk about a tank, the players never will stop. The players on the ice will want to win every single game. Every hockey player does at every level. If you're going to have a tank situation, it will be organizationally where they, mm-hmm. you know, they put the chess pieces in such a way where they're not going to do very well or they trade a bunch of guys away. And I, I don't see any let up, uh, not only in the players, but in Pierre Dorian and DJ Smith, because the reality is they're doing some auditioning right now too. Oh yeah. They are auditioning for the next owner of this team. And even if the playoffs aren't in the cards this year, and that's probably the case, they want to put their best foot forward because right now there are at least six ownership groups that uh, one of which will be the next owner of this team and those guys bosses. So they want to put their best foot forward and impress here in the final month. Looking forward to it. And and the groups are in town this week, right? That's correct. Yeah. Coming up on Monday, uh, Gary Bettman is here meeting with Mark Sutcliffe and a lot of the groups are here as well. So, uh, we'll talk about that here in a second, but uh want to talk about the Devils. The Devils. I don't know. This, the Devils have been bad for a long time, and so it's it, it's it's kind of frustrating, I think, for Sens fans to see the Devils, who have been so terrible, uh, that they figure things out, and the Sens are still trying to figure things out. I mean, they're on their way, but, uh, I mean, you look at the Devils, you go back to the 2012 Stanley Cup final against the LA Kings. Here is their run since then. 
Didn't make the playoffs. No playoffs. No playoffs. No playoffs. No playoffs. Won one game in the playoffs. Didn't make the playoffs. Didn't make the playoffs. Didn't make the playoffs. Didn't make the playoffs. Like that is a bad, bad run. Are you surprised they've had the kind of spike that they've had this year? Uh, it came early in my mind. Like it, it was coming. You're you're expecting them to get better eventually. Uh, same thing with with Buffalo and Detroit to a certain extent too. Uh, over the long haul, their little jumps didn't survive the whole season the way that New Jersey certainly has, or the way that Ottawa has. I uh, just it it surprised me timing wise. You could tell they were getting better. They stockpiled their picks. They've made some nice trades. Uh, they've done some real fine drafting and they've got some depth there now, still young, very, very similar to the senators. So it, it's going to be a good game. Like I, I think the senators can give them a good game um, on uh, uh, tonight and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I don't know, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm mildly surprised by the timing of their resurgence that it's this year. Yeah. Jack Hughes has had a fantastic year, 81 points in 67 games. Nico Heischer, a former number one overall pick as well. Uh, He's starting to look like a number one overall pick. He has a 30-goal season on the go, 67 points on the year. So they did the scorcher thing too and ended up with uh, some great draft picks that are starting to really emerge as NHL stars now. So uh, should be an interesting game tonight, Uh, two teams that were so miserable for so long that are uh, that are kind of just figuring things out now, and the Devils seem to be a little bit ahead in the old learning curve. Um, now, did you do a putty impression there? Did I catch a putty impression? You did, yes. A little Seinfeld action. Devils, the Devils. <laughs> With the Sens, we're not sure about uh, the status of Jacob Chikrin for the game against the Devils tonight. He uh, went into the boards kind of awkwardly. Looked like he may have jammed up something in his uh, leg. I don't know, lower body obviously, and uh, had to leave the game. And so DJ Smith said maybe a cramp potentially, but we don't, we're not really sure at this stage of the game. How, how bad did it look in person? Well, I didn't really notice it in person, to be honest with you. I, I just noticed, hey, he's not on the ice. Uh, where, where's Chikrin? Because when you're in the building and, and I'm on the bench side, so I didn't see him limp off the ice because it happened down the far end for me. And I didn't see him walk down the tunnel. But when I got home, I watched the game on my PVR. And yeah, yes, I saw it. And uh, I'm wondering if DJ's little post game there t- trying to talk about, you know, he had a root canal and maybe it's just a cramp and his eating's been different lately. And I'm wondering if that's just DJ trying to play a little misdirection here to, to try to not to try to avoid the conversation about, geez, this guy gets hurt a lot. DJ, what are your thoughts on tonight's injury? You know, I, I think that was probably more the way that DJ was handling that question just to try to deflect a little. Yeah. I saw a comment online. I wish I could attribute it to uh, the right person, but I just remember reading it after yeah. the game. Why is it the chiseled dudes like Chikrin who eat raw liver hearts and live in the gym always seem to get hurt and guys like Phil Kessel go on to uh, be the Iron Man of the NHL? It's a good point when you think about it. Uh, <laughs> we need to take a time out of the program. When we come back, we've got uh, Levi Marilinen in the discussion for goalie of the future. He's back in North America Tyler Clevin has signed on the dotted line after his career at North Dakota comes to a close. And uh, one of the members of the Ottawa Senators out for the year will tell you who that is. And that's coming up after these words. Every hockey fan loves when Canada competes for gold at the 2023 World Gin Awards in England. Ottawa's Dunrobin Distilleries won gold for Canada's best flavored gin. Their Earl Grey Gin 
advancing to represent Canada, competing for the title of best in the world. Pick up some Dunrobin craft spirits today at various LCBO locations or through their website at DunrobinDistilleries.com. Welcome back to the show. And certainly it would suck that Jacob Chikrin, if he's out for any length of time, he just got here. And that was one of the things that people worried about. Oh, my goodness. He's had injury history. Um, So I'm not worried about it, but it's certainly uh, back of the mind stuff. And I wanted to ask, though, about Chikrin playing with Thomas Shabbat. Did you like that as a pairing? Well, I think the biggest thing is it it relieves some of the uh, offensive pressure on Thomas Shabbat. He can let Chikrin be the more offensive guy. He can settle into a more well-rounded game. Uh, more importantly is that the fact that Chikrin plays with, with Shabbat now is it's Branstrom Zub as your shutdown pair. And I really, really like that pair. So I'm okay with Chikrin playing with Shabbat. Yeah, I just think about the frustration I have with the player in that, you know, if you're making $8 million a year and you've got an eight-year contract, you should be the one driving things and, and everybody should be great when you are playing with them. But uh, yeah, it's kind of a transition period. We'll see what uh, what Thomas Shabbat looks like moving forward. I've certainly not given up on the player and uh, whatever it takes to get him back in the right headspace and uh, playing the way, you know, he, he did in the early days. Because, I mean, you can make a pretty good argument that the early days of Thomas Shabbat, um, he hasn't progressed past that. He might be the same kind of player that he was back then, maybe even a guy who's regressed a little. Yes, not not even maybe he's regressed. I think he has regressed. But I still can't help thinking it's got a lot to do with the system, his partners, his uh, overplay, um, his... his I, I, I don't know him personally, but I think there's probably a part of him that for a few years here felt that he was the offensive guy for the blue line and therefore had to do certain things to create offense. And it might have ruined his game to a certain extent. And now that there's help around him and yeah, you're right. He's probably, he shouldn't have to be insulated, but you know what he does? <laughs> he does require it to a certain extent. And maybe it's not insulation. It's just, it's help. You know, the guy's finally got some help here some help who can lead on the offense, some help who can play some defense, some help who can be a good partner for him and steady, steady Eddie with him. And it frees up other people to play elsewhere. It breaks up the Zub Shabbat combo. I think overall, let's, let's give it another 10 games and then see what it looks like come the, come the new season next year. I did like that. He came to the defense uh, of his goaltender after a late shot, you know, because that's part of the code. If the whistle goes, you don't let your shot go anyway. And I forget who it was for Tangle Day, but okay, there you go. And uh, and Shabbat went right after him and mixed it up a little bit with him. Uh, of course, no punches thrown, and none of that, but just making him um, making him know that's not uh, that's not cool. Don't do that. Uh, but that's not stupid. exactly Shabbat's game. But it was stupid. Like what? It was a. It was at least a second and a half, and that's yeah. an eternity. Right. It was just stupid. And the sense scored on the power play. Like, right. way to go, buddy. Well done. You know, like yeah. I just that's what I meant by the fact that they seem to be a little rangy all night. Yeah. Uh, Maroon was was Maroon is being Maroon, but then he got carried away a little too. Like they just and the senators answered the bell everywhere, both physically and as you just pointed out, sticking up for your teammate. There was another another opportunity where uh Hegel and uh Stutzler were going at it. Hegel, actually, Stutzler took the penalty on the play, but Kachuk stepped in real fast. Said, "Hey, buddy, that's that's no, no, no. You don't, you don't pick on him. You right. got to get through me to get to him." 
So it's a it's a pack mentality that was that was evident last night. Yep. Or Thursday Park, night. Uh, Parker Kelly's out for the year with a broken kneecap, which is uh, certainly disappointing. And uh, I had a chance to spend about an hour with him for an interview for Faces Magazine, a profile. And uh, one of the things that he was really excited about this year, he was signed by the Sens as a free agent in 2017. And so he's been bouncing. You know, First, he started in Prince Albert, and then he bounced back and forth with between the Sens and Belleville. And this was the first year where he hadn't been down to Belleville at all. He kind of was in that mode of like, okay, finally I'm a full-time NHLer, and then to have to deal with this at this stage of the game, uh, disappointing for him because, I mean, he he is what he is. I mean, there's we talked earlier about what's the ceiling on a guy. I feel like we've seen what Parker Kelly can deliver, and that's a lot of good energy, no offense whatsoever. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he's an, a spark out there, good energy guy, does his job and certainly a quality kid. And so on, you know, within about, I don't know, less than a month after that conversation I had with him about, isn't it exciting to be in, you know, feel like you're coming to the rink and you're not worried about being sent down to Belva or anything like you're a full-time NHL. And then you get some news like this. Yeah. It's, it's kind of sad, huh? You, you think of words like reliable and dependable to describe a, a Parker Kelly, and sometimes people look at those things as maybe being insulting because they basically translate to third or fourth liner. But really, that's what he is. He's he's reliable, dependable. He's consistent. You know what you're going to get every night, night in, night out, shift in, shift out. Energy guy. I think he's got a, a job in the NHL, if not right here in Ottawa, for as long as he as long as he can play. Yeah. You know, you've got Gambrell and Kastelik and and other guys who might be pushing him from from beneath him in the lineup or even equal to him. But I, I he's got a job here next year and for years to come, I would think. Well, certainly DJ Smith, if he's still here, I feel like there's no chance that uh, that's in question because uh, he is a massive Parker Kelly fan. There's no doubt about that. The question is, will he be a Tyler Clevin fan? I would say that DJ Smith has been slow in the past to embrace young defensemen. I think that's fair to say. Hello, Jacob Bernard Docker. Hello, Eric uh, Lassie Thompson. Hello, Eric Brandstrom. And now Tyler Clevin has signed his entry-level contract. Pierre Dorian said this week that there was no promises, as sometimes is the case with these college signings, that if you sign, we'll automatically promise you some games. According to Dorian, that was not a promise that was given to Tyler Clevin, but he does think that he will play some games. Um, So I wonder... Will he see any games while the team is still in contention? I think that'll come down to the injury situation from here. Right. Like if Chikrin's, uh, if Chikrin's injured for any length of time, then obviously Clevin's got a better opportunity to play. I think it'll also come down to what's the situation in Belleville as far as the playoff push goes there. You know, do, do we want to call up some guys from there and get a look at them, or do we want to leave them where they are in, in a playoff drive and – and not touch that lineup is definitely going to get into games. You're right, though. The question is, are they going to be the meaningful games or are they going to be the garbage games after they're eliminated officially? Right. I'll go out on a limb and say, yeah, I, I think he'll play in some meaningful games. I, you, let's Why not? If you're going to play him and you're going to burn that year off his entry-level contract, play him in games that matter. Give him a kid a real test and see what he can do. Yep. I think um, I would be inclined to go with the um, just the garbage games. Because no matter what his upside and ceiling is, uh, DJ Smith is not going to take the chance 
of a rookie mistake costing him a goal and maybe a win or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I mean, if if Chikrin is going to be hurt uh, and miss some games, then then you toy with the idea. But it's not like you're all, at the same time, you know, wouldn't Jacob Bernard Docker be a better option than Tyler Clevin at this stage of the game? Certainly you love the potential of Clevin with his thundering hits and a great wrist shot and all that um, really adding some size to the blue line. But there's also the mistakes of youth that you can almost assuredly assume will happen. And I don't think DJ Smith will take that chance. So I will go with my vote will be yes. Tyler Clevin plays some games, not until they've been mathematically eliminated from things. And by the way, nickname I've come up with. Yeah. Uh, how about TKO train? TKO train. Oh, okay. King Kong no. Clevin. I can live with I that. Know. I don't know if you, you want watch. that. I don't know if you want that acronym though, Greg. Yeah, you're true. True. Good point. But you watch now that it's it's Saturday morning here about uh, coming up on 10 o'clock. You watch. There'll be an announcement any minute now that the kid's playing tonight. Oh, yeah, probably. As soon as we go off the air, buddy, 10.02, that'll come out. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised a bit. Uh, Finnish goalie Levi Marilainen is back in North America. Uh, his contractual situation hasn't changed any. He is in the discussion for goalie of the future, I think. And he had a fine season in Finland. And now he's uh, sort of the Calvary uh, for the Belleville Senators because uh, obviously we all know about the situation. I mean, the two guys that are in Ottawa should be down in Belleville, but Talbot and uh, and Forsberg continue to be injured. Uh, Forsberg out for the year. Talbot probably should be back. I think he's still a few days away from that three-week mark. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, what happens there. But Marilinen is with the Belleville Senators, and uh, I think that's a good thing. You know, it's another step closer to the NHL, and they can get a, a checkup. If you're Pierre Dorian, you're going to be able to uh, have a look at uh, what his progress has been as he uh, goes over to Finland after playing last year with Kingston of the OHL. Best goalie in the league in Finland this year. They're number one, uh, number one pro league in Finland. He was the top goalie in the league, all led in all the statistical categories. So good on him to go back home uh, and, and basically his first year as a pro. And I'll come back here and see what he can do in Belleville because they need him down there. It looks like it's, it's kind of a it's a constant flip flop between Ferguson and Mandelaze as to which one's going to back up Sogard here until Talbot gets back, and the other goaltending situation is not great down there depth wise. So bring in uh, Marilinen and he plays with either Ferguson or or Mandelaze down there. Uh, a bit slack jawed today, Greg, about a seven two win over the Tampa Bay Lightning, <laughs> the team in the East that has won the last three conference titles, and uh, yeah, that was uh, that was certainly a an impressive performance and an unexpected one. Certainly the result unexpected. Uh, I ended up uh, watching the game on PVR after the fact because I had, I had men's league hockey. And when somebody after our game reported to me that uh, the final score was 7-2, to two, I didn't think it would be for Ottawa necessarily. But uh, <laughs> sure enough, they got her done. So that was a, an impressive performance. And you, you saw the thing firsthand. Sixth goal into the empty net. You don't see that often, <laughs> like six and a half. I, I was sitting, believe it or not, I, I, I'm i going to sound like a goof, but I was in the fourth row, Steve. Too low is the first thought I had. And I was Agreed. trying to change my tickets. I went online and, and uh, you can change tickets, but only if you're willing to pay more and get better seats. So everywhere I went, I looked, look, I don't care. I don't even want a refund. Just give me something a little higher. Right. Fourth row, just beside the Tampa bench, inside that end, inside the blue line. So 
in other words, exactly where all the Tampa Bay fans sit, where all the visiting fans sit for every game. And uh, it was, it was, yeah, yeah, it was okay. But I was looking, I was a long way around to get to, I could see the bench really well. And I watched them pull the goalie. I could see it happening in the conversations and they looked down and gave him a nod and out he came at Brian Elliott with like six and a half left. And I thought, wow, in a, in a five, two game at that point, interesting call by, uh, by John Cooper. It's something every fan should do at least once in their life, particularly if you're a fan that accuses players of not trying or they don't care. When you're down that low, that's the one advantage you have. You, I don't like it down there. I don't get a sense of uh, depth. Uh, there's lots of obstructed views and things. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one good thing is you can really see how fast the game is and how everybody truly is trying, even though some nights it looks like they're not being effective and it kind of comes off as they're not trying. When you're down that low, you can see there's a full buy-in effort-wise every single night. For sure. Like, And I'm inside the defensive zone, like just inside right. the blue line. Like, uh, to break its first goal, he they, they, the mob was right in front of me. So if you go go rewind your PVR, Steve, you can see me in behind the mob there after to break its goal. Oh, nice. And that's, that's where I was sitting. So uh, you really <laughs> get a good – get a good view of of intensity uh the cycle game the 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 defensive rotations uh the physicality the speed exactly like you just said uh, yeah i saw it all up front and of the of the nine goals that were scored i think eight of them were scored in that net so i saw a lot of offense too the rest of the game i pretty much uh, you got to turn your head up and watch the tv <laughs> when the puck goes down the ice you watch the big screen until it comes back again <laughs> but it was good it was good i enjoyed it Good stuff. Uh, future watch to close out the show. And the future is, uh, of course, includes a new uh, ownership and a new arena. And Mayor Mark Sutcliffe was giving interviews this week. He will be talking to Gary Bettman on Monday as Bettman makes the rounds, as does a, a number of the ownership bidders. And let's first tackle uh, Mayor Sutcliffe's thoughts about the idea of public funds for a new arena, just in, in you know, in a, a real nutshell, he basically isn't keen on the idea of using City of Ottawa funds to help with a new arena, but he also did not close the door fully on it. He'll want to hear a bunch of stuff first and uh, probably get a lot of that information on Monday in chatting with Gary Bettman. Let's get our two cents in on things. What do you think, being even being as big a hockey fan as both of us are, what do you think of the idea of using City of Ottawa money to build an NHL arena in town? Well, I look at it like this, Steve. Yes, I'm a hockey fan. What if it's not a hockey rink? What if they were talking about municipal funds required to build a new uh, soccer pitch or a new library? I, I, I don't know, whatever. I'm not a fan of it under one uh, condition, though. If you want to create a new revenue stream and use that money for it, I'm okay with that. Like if right. you suddenly built a road and said, okay, we're going to charge you everybody five bucks to use this road every day. And that money's going to go to the rink. I'm all right. But if you want to take existing revenue streams and redistribute the expenditure of that money to include a rink or anything for that matter, I'm not in. The next owner of this team will have bought this franchise for maybe $900 million. So close to a billion dollars. And if you're willing to invest a billion dollars in a venture like this, you know, what's an extra 300 to build a new arena or whatever that ends up costing? I mean, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I just have a hard time with 
with someone with that level of wealth that us us unwashed taxpayers <laughs> need to supplement that guy that need to help his business along i know it's cool and everything to have an nhl franchise but just the principle of it mm-hmm. just feels off to me that said i'd prefer an nhl arena fully funded by the city of ottawa as, a, as opposed to the $2 billion we spent on a really bad light rail system. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that one. But yeah, you're, you're, you're right, too. The, the, the idea of a billionaire coming in here to buy a hockey club but comes in with whole hat in hand, I need help on this. Uh, I just, I, it's not going to happen. I, I, Mark Sutcliffe has pretty much been on record up to the, well, I guess he kind of softened his position a little here, didn't he? But I just, I can't see that happening. It's not a Canadian thing. It's hap- It happens in the States, but I, it just does not happen in Canada where public money uh, ends up funding an arena for a private entity. And as far as the bidders go, ownership wise, uh, there's a guy named Nico Sparks, who's an LA based producer. He is uh, one of the more recent names that have come out. And also, I think it was Bruce Garriock may have reported. I'm not, I apologize. I don't have it cited properly, but uh, maybe I do. But uh, he apparently was the guy that drove the bid up to about $900 million. And uh, I guess The Rock is involved with the Nico Sparks bid. That's kind of an interesting name for those who are all about Ryan Reynolds and what he brings to the table with his popularity and his following and the whole potential to do a documentary on owning the Ottawa Senators and building a new NHL arena and the, and the, and the neat things that go with that. Well, now you got another celebrity factor in there and the rocks a pretty popular character too. I don't know that he can necessarily bring the documentary factor that Reynolds can, but uh, certainly an interesting name I'm sure to Sens fans. It's cool. It's cool. I mean, it, it comes down to the same thing though, Steve, and we've said this before. I don't care who owns the team, <laughs> just have the money be willing to spend the money, be willing to invest with all the things around the team with, with events and, and uh, certain things that go on in the arena and game day experience, uh, staffing, all that stuff. If, if you do all that stuff, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you came from. I don't care what your business is. And I'll even go one further. I don't really care where you build it either. Like I, it's safe to say they're not going to be in Canada forever. So if it's Tunney's Pasture, or if it's the old RCMP there at uh, Vanier Parkway, or if it's this Lees Avenue, I still don't see how they're going to fit anything in there. I don't really care where you build it. Just stop talking about it. Get it done. Get the sale done. Get the new arena stuff done. And let's move on. Yeah, I'm thinking Manatic. You know, what's, <laughs> what's convenient for me for a construction site? I think Manatic is a good idea. I've got a little land here. i got about three acres. Uh, won't be much for parking, and it's probably not convenient for anybody else. But uh, hey, just throwing that out there to uh, Nico and his gang, or whoever ends up buying this team. Uh, closing it out, quick look at the schedule. The Sens take on the Devils tonight. Then uh, it's the Panthers. What a massive game that is, because that's one of the teams right in front of them. Flyers are here on Thursday, and then the Leafs on April Fool's Day. What's better than the Leafs on April Fool's? So thanks for being with us. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Greg. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks for being with us on the Sens Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share the show with your friends and followers, or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at SensNationHockey.com.